Hello, and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach, and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And my mission is to help women with polycystic ovary syndrome find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com because there I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as well. Now let's get started. So today I'm going to be talking to a dear friend of mine. Her name is Magdalena Sherlocky, and she is the founder of HormonesBalance.com. Magdalena is a certified nutrition coach, speaker, educator, and soon-to-be-published cookbook author with HarperCollins. And Magdalena has had a long history of hormonal challenges, um, like most of us divas here. Uh, And her hormonal challenges, she really feels resulted from a highly stressful life in advertising, starting from Graves and Hashimoto's disease, which are both autoimmune conditions causing thyroid failure, to adrenal fatigue and estrogen dominance. But today she is in full remission and she lives a symptoms-free life and food and herbs were very instrumental in her recovery. And we are in for a treat today because Magdalena is going to be sharing some of her extensive knowledge about how food helps you heal. And I just want to welcome her to the PCOS Diva podcast. Yay! Thank you so much, Amy. It's so great to talk to you. Well, I have been a longtime fan of your work, and I am just really excited about the work that you've been doing recently on herbs and how they can really help you um, balance your hormones. And so today you're going to be sharing um, some of your favorite herbs and spices with us and how they can kind of help us heal our PCOS um, hormonal situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, I have to tell you, I got to appreciate herbs a lot more when I went through the journey of fixing my nutrition and fixing my diet and, and you know, I think you and I live through the same principles of keeping a very low inflammatory diet, really being very aware of what we're putting in our bodies in terms of quality of food, but also the amount of sugar that goes in and yet not obsessing about it and making it a colorful and varied and fun diet, right? So I think, I think we both live that and I know a big part of your community is either already living that or striving to live that. What I had found is that when you clean up your diet, it's, um, herbs can play a beautiful role of really amplifying and speeding up the healing process so quickly. And I have to tell you, I'm feeling this firsthand. You've been seeing my Facebook posts about the latest surgery that I had done. I had a double hip replacement done just three weeks ago. And I'm, you know, and I'm healing. I mean, everyone from my doctor to nurses to my PTs, like, I cannot believe how quickly you're healing. And really the biggest, you know, I I absolutely attribute that to the preparation that I did, obviously through diet, but also through some really amazing herbs to boost the immune system and support the adrenals and help you detox the liver and the kidneys to really be prepared for something as invasive as the the surgery. So I'm a living, you know, testimony, a, a testimony of someone who really lives this kind of life and your body responds to it so well. And I'm not unique in this by any means. 
anybody's body will respond so beautifully when you create a kind of environment like the gardener who nurtures the soil and gets this amazing plants and vegetables and fruits and berries out of the ground or, you know, or, or roots uh, for that matter when you, when you do it well. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and herbs, you know, yeah, so herbs has been, have been um, like my latest thing for the past couple of years. I've been absolutely fascinated by that. And so um, should we talk about a couple of them? Yeah, and I just, I want to interject here for a, a minute because you are really like um, like a Wonder Woman to me. The way that you have recovered from the surgery is just amazing. And, and anybody that, you know, has family members or if you're preparing to undergo surgery, I really encourage you to follow Magdalena um, on Facebook um, at you know, Hormones Balance and her blog because she's actually put together a really extensive protocol for what she did to prepare herself um, before and then post-surgery that I'm sure would be so helpful to you know, anyone that's listening that might be undergoing a, a procedure in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. And I really encourage, you know, this is something that no one tells us, no doctor tells us to prepare this way before surgery, right? And so, yes, yeah, so absolutely. Um, I'll, you know, I'm just so happy to share this. And so, if anyone's going, it's you or anyone you know, just pass it on. It's all well researched data that has really worked. Actually, my doctor, my functional doctor, has helped me to put this together. And I was the guinea pig on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's certainly working. I mean, you look. Yeah, no, you can't. You can't see Magdalene on this audio podcast, but she she's looks so cute with this awesome top and um, just vibrant and it's just amazing three weeks out from surgery I'm just I'm so proud of you I'm so thank happy you. for you thank you um, yeah so so let's let's dive right in what's what's your first one for us yeah you know so um, I know you do a lot of the work around helping women manage their sugar levels right mm -hmm. and I know you have a lot of protocols for that and supplements and you know, the, the one herb I want to spice, if you will, that I want to bring some attention to because it's been it's just, if you go to PubMed and you just enter that particular spice, uh, there's just so many papers that show how it helps um, incredibly uh, in a very potent way to help regulate our blood sugar levels, and that's cinnamon. And so the, uh, and, and the medicinal amounts that we're looking at, because, you know, you, are we talking about a sprinkle here? Are we talking about, what's the amount, right, are we talking about that actually has medicinal value? And so we're looking at the value of about two teaspoons of freshly ground cinnamon um, on a daily basis, which, you know, is such a beautiful, warming, sweet spice that it's a no-brainer to be adding that, whether it's to smoothies or whether it's adding it to a latte. And I'll give you a recipe in just a second for, for a wonderful latte with cinnamon. The one thing that I want to just draw attention to is that there's various types of cinnamon. And so the cinnamon that has been, um, that is my absolute favorite, it's not the cinnamon that you typically find when you go to Starbucks or coffee shops. That is that, that sort of like the hard um, cinnamon bark that is hard to break and it comes in like one piece. Um, that's, that's what, that's a very common cinnamon. It's also known as cinnamon cassia. Um, the, the, and that's not my favorite. Um, the, and I'll tell you about it in a second why that is so. My absolute favorite is called the true cinnamon, also known as cinnamon verum, 
also known as Ceylon cinnamon, and it has a very different uh, feel to it. First of all, when you touch it, it you, it's, it's very flaky, it's like multi-layered almost, uh, very easy to break, uh, but it's also much more fragrant and, um, and medicinally potent. So the, the difference between those two is that well, one of the big things is that um, you know, the, the common cinnamon that a lot of people use, the, the cassia, contains a high amount of cumarin, which is really quite stressful in the liver. And somebody said to me once, like, oh, but it's not an, enough to be, make a big difference. Actually, it is. And, I, and true story, my former partner fell in love with chives. And so he's a big guy. So for him, it was not a matter of a cup or two a day. He literally went in there and he would have like two to three quarts a day oh he was brewing these yeah I mean you know he's a big guy and he's like sipping it throughout the day right and I kid you not there was like probably day five of this of this chai binging right with a huge amount of cinnamon in it because he loves cinnamon and one day he calls me and he says I am all blue and white and I'm about to pass out and I'm feeling awful and he's I, I white just would turn yellow yeah. and so the first thing they, you know, it took a while of investigative, um, you know, the, in the investigative nature to kind of kick in to see what's going on. We finally figured out that it was the cinnamon uh, that he was using. So it, it can really be a, an issue, especially if you're drinking it on a regular basis. And here we're talking about medicinal value of two teaspoons a day, so it, it will build up pretty quickly. Coumarin is almost non-existent in cinnamon, in the true cinnamon, and so I definitely encourage you to to get that. Um, where do you get it from? Very easy. On you can get it from mountain rose or mountain or uh, mountain rose herbs. You can get it from um, Amazon. If you have local herb stores, support the local trade. I've always been a big proponent of that. To you know, little mom and pop shops, get it from there. Um, you know, to get the maximum nutrition out of and and value out of cinnamon freshly grinded. So get it in sticks, freshly grinded, um, or have a little bit at a time, so grind for like a week's worth or so. Don't buy those pre-ground stuff because that gets oxidized and the medicinal value diminishes. So, so grind it like in a coffee grinder? Yes. Or like in your Vitamix or something like that? Yeah, probably Vitamix you need a lot of sticks to make it happen. I would say definitely a spice grinder, but okay. Make it, it can be a coffee grinder, as you said, but I will definitely recommend to separate it from a coffee grinder because coffee just takes over everything. The smell of coffee, flavor, yeah. the flavor mm -hmm. takes over, yeah, yeah. Um, can I share with you my favorite recipe for oh. adding cinnamon? Yes, please do. So one of, um, you know, so I, one of the things I love to do is to do like um, one cup of full fat milk, um, coconut milk with two cups of water. So you're talking about the fat, 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 thick coconut milk, right? Uh, from like native forest, something that's BPA-free. So one cup of that with two cups of filtered water, warming that up, and you're literally just adding um, that ground cinnamon into that latte, stirring it in, um, maybe three drops of stevia in it so you don't use any sugar, and, um, and boom, your, you know, your little latte is done. Just a really wonderful warming, um, drink that is just going to sustain you so well. 
Yeah, so two things I just was going to mention about that. Um, so I do something similar to that, and I call it my evening elixir. Oh, <laughs> and, there we go. Um, and it has cinnamon in it, but I also put cardamom and nutmeg, freshly ground nutmeg in it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes a little, um, you know, I have a, like a fresh um, vanilla pod that I'll put a few mm -hmm. um, seeds in there. And I like it because in, sometimes in the evening, you know, you sort of crave something sweet and it'd be sort of the time of night that you might hit the ice cream. <laughs> you, know, you want yeah. something creamy and sweet and, yeah. and soothing, um, something that sort of envelopes you like a warm hug, you know. Yep. <laughs> I find that, that, yes, like this latte um, would do that. And, it really, and then you also have the added blood sugar support. So it curbs the cravings and it also satisfies that need for something creamy and, you know, slightly sweet um, and, you know, just kind of makes a nice, um, oh my God, love it. Like for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's like a, basically it's like a chai latte, right? Yeah. Uh, with all the yeah. Love it. Yeah. And maybe perhaps a little bit of ginger if somebody likes that, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, um, and, and, and I love it how you say it's an evening craving thing. And so night elixir, um, you know, for women who struggle with adrenals, and I know many women with PCOS definitely are on that path too. Um, Think about also using ashwagandha as um, you know as a as an adaptogen that you can grind also freshly, and it's got a very potent rooty taste to it. But it's it's I mean I personally love it, and with the spices you're talking about, it's just an absolutely amazing concoction. And ashwagandha will nurture the adrenals, but also for a lot of women, it just it calms you down. In fact, makes you sleepy, so that it's going to help you with your sleep as well. Now, have you ever tried shatavari? which yes. is sort of the kind of the female, the way it was explained to me is sort of this female version of ashwagandha. Yeah. Um, Absolutely, yeah, that's a great one. And, you know, I have to tell you, um, I grew up in Southeast Asia with a big, um, a lot of my friends being Indian, and so uh, shatavari is very, very present in Ayurvedic medicine, right? And so a lot of um, Indian people are very familiar with it. Uh, Indian girls, like a month before getting married, will get on shatavari to make sure they are they have all the juices they need for their wedding night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for for women that are listening that are struggling with low libido, it's it's something that is worth a shot um, because it, it's I think it's translated um, in in Sanskrit as like. Um, she who has a thousand husbands or something like that, yeah. <laughs> um, and then just speaking of Ayurveda, I, I find that a lot of women with PCOS have the vata constitution um, mm. or dosha, which is what I have. And, you, and please go on my site. I have you know, several articles about Ayurveda and um, vata. Uh, and I find that these warming spices like cinnamon um, really help balance that sort of cold, dry, um, you know, vata constitution. Yeah, yeah, constitution. So something else that I think is of benefit, you know, outside of the of the um, blood sugar balance with cinnamon for women with PCOS. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Love it. Okay. Um, and you know, and I think it's it's good to you mentioned one thing. I just also kind of uh, I forgot about ashwagandha. We talked about is um, it is a nightshade. So if you're sensitive to nightshades, do exercise precaution because it might actually make you feel kind of achy and whatever 
However, potatoes, tomatoes, eggplants make you feel as a nightshade that might bring up some negative. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things that just moving forward with our conversation, just want to make sure that we mention that is with herbs and same as with food, whatever we're talking about can have one effect on one person, you might have a different reaction to it. So do, do exercise a lot of just respect for herbs and for your own body's responses to it. Um, you know, somebody just posted on Facebook saying, hey, you should try turmeric, telling me I should try turmeric, right, as an anti-inflammatory. And, um, and my response is that actually turmeric doesn't do it for me. In small amounts, it doesn't do anything. In a larger amount, it actually makes me more inflamed. Mm -hmm. And I've discovered that I have a mutation, a genetic mutation that makes, so, you know, you don't have to be a genetics expert to figure that out, but if you tune into your body and you introduce something new, you're like, I'm feeling off, or I'm feeling sleepy, or I'm stimulated, or I'm achy, whatever it might be, just respect that of the herb in your own body, lay off, try something different. Yeah, excellent advice. And you just, you have to really get in touch with how food and herbs make you feel. And because there is no one size fits all approach. And, and that's something that I, I, I constantly try to, um, you know, help women realize. So yeah, yeah. Great, great point. So, so what's our next um, herb? Yeah, you know, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, matcha tea, green tea, which is the ceremonial green tea from Japan. Um, matcha is made out of the little tiny leaves, the baby leaves of a tea plant. So it's, it's really, um, it's just the baby leaves that get picked. Um, it is not put through fermentation the way green tea would be. Um, it, is a, it is an expensive tea, but you don't need a lot of it in order to, you know, enjoy it. And the reason why I talk about matcha is I would love to position it as a potential replacement for coffee. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, um, I, I, I'm of the opinion that caffeine is the biggest drug that we have in the country, apart from opioids and, you know, everybody talks about alcohol, opioids, gambling, whatever addiction. Caffeine is a real addiction. And, you know, uh, so what I would... Um, what I would say is that if you, um, especially looking at it, the component of coffee elevating our blood sugar levels, when you have PCOS, it doesn't serve you well. Um, especially when you do it on an empty stomach, coffee before breakfast, I think that's like one of the worst things you can do to yourself, right? Um, so, you know, if you find that coffee and caffeine is something that you really need, you can't give it up, replace ca co um, coffee with matcha. And the reason why I love matcha is because it is, you know, believe it or not, one teaspoon of matcha actually contains the same amount of caffeine as you have in a shot of espresso. So it's not like it doesn't have caffeine, it does. But the way your body responds to it is very different. It's, it gives you if, you, if you could just imagine like a little chart, it basically lifts up your energy levels and it sustains it throughout a period of six to eight hours. Versus caffeine, it gives you that you know, it gives you that boost, but then within an hour or two, you crash again, and that's when you reach out for more sugar to, as people say, you know, rebalance my blood sugar levels, right? Just, just total nonsense. So, so that's one of the things I love about matcha. Um, you know, in Japan, matcha was originally used in, by both people who go to war, so warriors were using matcha to stimulate them and to, to be alert. But it also was used by the monks during meditation so that they stay awake, they don't fall asleep. So dual approach, and, and both of them are very effective. So don't think like, you, you know, you're going to be missing out on your coffee. Just a wonderful replacement. Um, the one trick with 
matcha is do not pour hot water on it because you're going to be killing a lot of the really great enzymatic properties in matcha. So the trick with that would be to put cold water into it first, um, dissolve it properly. I just put it in the jar, close the lid, shake the heck out of it and so that it's fully dissolved. It's kind of foamy on top. Only then pour, pour hot water, warm water into it um, to get the maximal benefit of it. Yeah, and um, another thing that I, I well, first of all, I, I definitely concur about the caffeine and women with PCOS. I mean, I, I really would venture to say most of us have adrenal issues. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just think that caffeine is something that we need to really work hard to get off of. Um, or caffeine from coffee. I, I don't like, I, like you, Magdalena, I agree that caffeine from matcha because it's balanced with, um, you know, the L-theanine that really helps calm us. Uh, it's, it's a better way to kind of get our caffeine fix, I guess, if you really need it. And it, it's amazing to me how many women um, that do my Jumpstart program, and that's one, one thing that I ask in preparation for that is you start weaning yourself from caffeine um, mm -hmm. and, and dairy. So it, I think it's very hard to take away cheese and coffee. I think that <laughs> over the years I find that for, for most of us, it, it's like our, some of our biggest vices. So I think if you can switch, if you have to have caffeine, to switch to something like matcha, it's a better alternative for our bodies. Our body, or your body will thank you for it. Um, yeah. and, and that is, you know, I have a recipe for matcha cookies. Um, and it's just kind of mm -hmm. fun. But, but you're right. Once you start heating up the, the matcha, you kind of lose a lot of those healing properties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, so what, besides the tea, how else do you like to use matcha and, and kind of get that in your day? Yeah, so, you know, the, the, um, the latte that I was giving you an example of, I would mm -hmm. use the same way. Instead of using the cinnamon, it's just basically adding matcha and putting that either in a blender, whether it's Vitamix or Nutribullet or whatever, just and if you're traveling, just, on, you know, in a jar and just shake the heck out of it. And that's your little um, shake, shake matcha latte, you know, right there. The Japanese would be very upset by that because the original matcha is supposed to be drank just with water and the way I described with, it's an extra ceremonial, very highly respected tea. Um, it's just in America, we like to put it with all sorts of things, but yeah. whatever, whatever pleases your palate, I don't care, you know, just get it in and, and uh, enjoy it. Yeah, it's something that I really like to do. It's like I have my little afternoon tea ritual before the kids get home from school. It's like my, you know, five, ten minutes to myself to sort of re to center myself for the rest of the evening. Um, and I actually went out and bought this beautiful matcha bowl, and I have the little ceremonial whisk, yes, and um, I think there's something really soothing and meditative about having that tea ritual for yourself um, and, you know, making that a little special, you know, time for yourself and, and whisk it up and, and drink yeah. it from the bowl and it's, it's kind of fun. Um, and, you, you know, you can also put it in smoothies too. So it's yeah. kind of like a, a nice little energy shot in your morning smoothie as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm really glad how you, you know, you mentioned by, um, you know, you, you might say, <clears throat> well, you know, I can just uh, pop a pill, like I can just take, say, cinnamon in a pill form or a tincture and just like, you know, and forget all about it. I just move on with my day. There is something about the in being intentional in using herbs in your life. 
that I feel like that has a huge heating power is the intention that we put behind mm -hmm. it. It's the same way, you know, when you go to a yoga class and your teacher would ask you to be very intentional before the class, and how different is that kind of ex experience versus this yoga as you come in there and people treat it like almost like a like a, some kind of a workout thing when you're just rushing from, from, from thing to thing. I, I hate that kind of yoga classes. But the ones that, you know, just really um, asking you to tune into your body the same way you were doing it, calm, being calm and centered and intentional, I, I find that intuitively I find that being intentional with the herbs and bringing them in, not in the form of supplements, just which we mindlessly we pop into our mouths, but it's the preparation of it that makes it um, so healing. Yeah, I love that point. Thank you for bringing that up. So, so what's our final herb for today? So I've got a few, so let me just pick which one do we want to talk about. Um, yeah, so let's talk about uh, chaseberry. I know you work a lot with chaseberry. Um, it's an interesting herb because it's not for everyone. Women with elevated uh, FSH and LH might not be benefiting from it. I know you had an experience, right, yourself of not particularly benefiting from it um, as, a, as an herb. So, you know, um, First of all, Mars, let me just mention, because I think it's an interesting story, chaseberry has been originally, the word comes from chase as being chased, comes from, originally comes from the, um, from the fact that it used to be given to nuns to suppress their libido. And so you think like, well, what the heck was this now that's supposed to be helping you with your ovulation and stimulate your progesterone receptors and, you know, regulates your luteal phase? Um, interesting thing is when you use it in, in lower amounts, that's when it becomes actually quite beneficial for some women uh, to help them regulate their cycle. So as always with herbs, you don't want to overdo it because you're going to be like a nun, <laughs> suppressing <laughs> your cycle altogether. Um, yeah, so, you know, chaseberry, um, you know, it's, it, how, how it works is basically the hypothalamus, um, the pituitary axis that gets stimulated and signals to the ovaries release, um, to stop pre preparing us for the luteal phase, right? And in Germany, in fact, a lot of times in Germany, instead of putting women on progesterone creams, chaseberry is being used, also known as Vitex, as the go-to um, herb. So, you know, there's always discussions about whether is it, is it because of the progestins that is there, or is it because chaseberry stimulates progesterone receptors? Uh, to me, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, is the whole idea is to get you to ovulate again and regulate your luteal phase, which is the second part of your cycle, and most women with PCOS are suffering in this department. Uh, you know, whether you do it through supplement, um, that's obviously a no-brainer. I like to use it in tea form. Cheeseberry is not the tastiest of berries. It's, it looks like a big pepper corn. Um, it's kind of pretty, but it's not the most tasty one. So. But again, if you combine it with things like cinnamon and hibiscus, for example, you know, and the chaseberry in, in an infusion that you just pour hot water over it, steep it for 12 to 24 hours, it becomes a really nice um, tea infusion. Excellent. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, it's worth giving a shot. I, I think being a diva is about experimentation and seeing what works best for you. and you know, it, it sure beats um, taking, you know, Provera <laughs> or some synthetic progestin um, to try a, an herb like chaseberry. 
So, you know, give it a shot. Do you know, are there any, um, like, on the market teas that you can suggest, or do you just recommend um, getting the chase berry through, like, like one of these spice um, distributors? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I have never seen chaseberry used in teas. I think it's partly because it is, or like those prepared teas, like the yogi tea or whatever. Yeah. I think it's because it is not the tastiest of herbs to work with. Um, no, so I haven't really seen it. I, I make my own. So that's where, yeah. Um, so that's the, and the infusion I was talking about, I'm talking about like one teaspoon of chaseberry seeds and then however much you want in cinnamon and the hibiscus. I love hibiscus too. I bet I bet it it's you know you could even drink it iced, right? Oh, absolutely. With, yeah. yeah, with a couple of drops of stevia. You know, hibiscus is um, tart, so sweetening it slightly with things like um, stevia. You know, a couple of stevia drops or just a minimal amount of um, sweetener like honey or maple syrup mm -hmm. over ice. Absolutely, yes. So, Magdalena, I've been following you on Facebook. You know, not just to get. Um, like the updates on how you've been doing post-surgery, but I've been seeing you creating these really amazing um, do-it-yourself uh, recipes in your kitchen for, you know, skin care and hair care, and, you know, I was hoping that you could kind of chat with us about what, you, what you've been doing using herbs, you know, to create these self-care items. Yeah, so can I tell you about the workshop that's coming up? Because I'm going to be teaching a lot of stuff there. Oh, gosh, I'd love that. Yeah. Okay, so there's a workshop that's coming up. It's called herbsforbalance.com, and you've got the link on your, on your post. Um, so, you know, Herbs for Balance is really um, part of the thing that we're teaching there is bringing in herbs on one hand, like what we're talking about to help you rebalance your hormones is a big part of the equation and having fun with it and making it part of your culinary tradition in your kitchen, right? But also, we want to be mindful of the fact that there are chemicals that are also disrupting our hormonal, uh, sacred hormonal balance, right? And whether it's from skincare products, house cleaning products, I can't tell you how many women I've worked with who say, I live so cleanly, and then when we really go deep into working together, it turns out that you're using, you know, those... Um, uh, those things that you put in uh, on a wall, uh, diff those diff diffusers, those artificial diffusers, which is like you're inhaling all these chemicals that go straight into your body. Huge endocrine disruptors. So I'm really anal about getting those out. The problem sometimes is that you trust companies that are really nice and clean and they make amazing products. And I'll give you an example. Like this is actually my former client, Kiehl's, you know. Um, they got bought over by L'Oreal like a few years ago, and, and no one knows about that. So people trust, you know, you might trust the brand. It's like a fantastic, clean, responsible, loving brand. And then they get bought over by somebody uh, of, as large as L'Oreal's and Procter & Gamble, Unilever, or whatever, and you don't know about that because they don't publicize it unless you leave financial, uh, you know, digest. And... And then what they do, they slowly start replacing the ingredients. But you don't look at them anymore because you trust the bread. And that's exactly what happened with Kiehl's. Today it's full of parabens, it's full of phthalates. It's just, I mean, it's a chemical concoction of stuff that you don't ever want to put on your body. So I'm passionate about, um, you know, teaching women how to replace these things with ingredients that are just, you know, the, the, the real oils, the real uh, essential oils. And... Uh, and cleaning up our cabinets in that way. So one of the things that I'm going to be teaching at the workshop is 
you know, it's an anti-wrinkle cream. This is just one example here that on the market, these things cost $70, $80. So I reverse engineered it, and I use, I'm using ingredients that are that, that really matter. One of the, for example, is the rosehip oil, which is an incredibly potent oil for restoration of, of cellular rejuvenation of the skin. And a couple of essential oils that also speed up the plumping up of the skin. You know, and you're talking about coming up, creating that yourself, even from small batches you buy for $17. You know, and, and you not only are you saving money, but you're also removing all these, um, the skincare, uh, the, the endocrine disruptors. The little videos that you've seen me posting on Facebook is, you know, one of the things I'm passionate about is that, is lip glosses. Why are we, the commercial lip glosses, if you look at the ingredients list, it's absolutely scary. And mm -hmm. most of the things you look at, and you don't know whether, because you're not a chemist, I'm not a chemist, most of us are not chemists, you look at it and you go, is it safe or not? What does it mean? And even if you're a chemist, let me tell you, you go to the databases that analyze these ingredients, and so many of them have not even been tested. So we don't know whether they are safe or not. So when I started working with um, a couple of herbalists to help me prepare the program, you know, they, we realized that all we can do is just, if you look at the ingredients list in that, tip, that lip gloss that's on, on, on the Facebook page, it's as simple as using lanolin, you know, which is totally occurring, naturally occurring fat in, in sheep, right? Mm -hmm. Castor oil, um, I think we're using almond oil, some couple of essential oils, and then the coloring comes from different um, um, colors of mica, M-I-C-A. Mica is forms of colorants that are naturally occurring in, in the earth, you know, on the rocks. And so, so you have all these different tints. You can go from brown all the way, all the way to bright orange uh, with it. and just and, you know, in a couple of essential oils to give it a, a little bit of a flavor. And that's all you need. And I just couldn't believe it. And I'm, I'm actually wearing, I'm wearing it right now. And, you know, it's, it's as good as the commercial lips. I don't, the lip glosses, I don't know why we need all these chemicals in there. But they're there and you can make it yourself. And you know what? Amy, it takes 15 minutes in your kitchen. All right. So, so every year I do um, a, a homemade Christmas gift. And, you know, I, I, I do, I've done a, like a little series on my blog, I call it Beyond the Food, you know, Chris, like get handmade gifts, because how many times have, like I know I have, made my mother-in-law's fudge recipe to give away to people, and ended up eating half of it and feeling like crap. So, so I started several years ago making um, food gifts, and um, I made, I've made vanilla extract um, and lavender linen spray and just, you know, different things. But I love this idea of the lip gloss because I give it away to all my, you know, my friends, my lady friends. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to tune in so I can get your lip gloss recipe for my Christmas <laughs> gifts. <laughs> oh my God, it's like the best thing. And it literally takes you 15 minutes. It produces six of them. So if you just multiply it, it gives you 12 you know, how many can you use on your own, right? Not, right. not that many. So right. wonderful, wonderful gift. Like, I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so very, um, you know, thankful that you've come on and shared about, you know, those three herbs. And re I'm really looking forward to your, your herb um, workshop. And I'll be tuning in. And we'll have the dates and all of the information below the podcast. Or if you're listening on iTunes, just head over to 
uh, PCUSDiva.com, and I'll have the transcript for this um, podcast and you know all of the information. And I'll also point to the awesome article that you wrote to us about for us um, a couple of years ago about balancing your hormones through seed rotation, which is really a, a you know a fascinating approach. Uh, you're just you're filled with so much you know, really insightful information about how to heal yourself through food. So I encourage listeners to check out your, um, your website at hormonesbalance.com. So, thank yeah, thank you, Magdalena, for joining us. And thank you for everyone listening. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And if you liked it, please don't forget to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to the show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes. I read them all, and I love to hear from you. And if you think of somebody else that might benefit from the podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my um, free newsletter. It goes out every Wednesday or Thursday, and there's always really valuable um, content. I try to stay on on um, the forefront of what's going on in the PCOS research world and just lots of tips and tricks to help manage your PCOS. So thank you for being with me and I look forward to being with you again soon on a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Goodbye.